0: Uh, I'm a sales rep, which means that my job is to speak to clients on the phone about uh, quantity and type of paper and whether we can supply it with them and whether they can pay for it. And I'm boring myself talking about it.
1: Hello and welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and uh, I'd be very disappointed if you weren't having a fantastic day. Are you having a fantastic day? Can't answer me. So, uh, pointless asking the question really, isn't it? Let's face it, I don't even know who you are, so um, it's kind of disingenuous to uh, say that I think that you should be having a fantastic day. For all I know, you're Hitler. I mean, obviously unlikely that you're Hitler because uh, he's been dead for a while. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you believe the conspiracy theorists. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he's Trump. I don't know anything about it, okay? I didn't mean to put anything out there and put any thoughts in your head like Hitler is Trump or Trump is Hitler. Um, you know... It, It's funny though, this is completely off topic, but even making that joke kind of proves the point that we're making in this podcast, doesn't it? That uh, you you can plant an idea in someone's head so easily just by making an association, doing it a few times, and then all of a sudden you've got a brand new hashtag on Twitter, hashtag Trump is Hitler, and it's all over, Uh, you've started a movement. But that's just by the by, we've got a story to tell. So tell me if you've heard this one. Cue the cliched inspirational music, please. Western countries are lands of freedom and opportunity. All you need to do is work hard, keep your head down, make sound financial choices, and you'll be rewarded, right? You'll gain access to the best infrastructure and culture the world has ever seen. You'll amass wealth and power, and if you don't, Well, maybe you just didn't work hard enough. Maybe you just didn't want it enough. Because in Western culture, there is no excuse for failure. The opportunity is there. You just need to find a way to grasp it. Because in Western society, we're free people. And that means your destiny is in your hands. That's a good story. I've heard that one a few times. Have you heard that one before? Maybe that's something that you believe in. And if that's the case, fair cop, fair cop. Uh, It's a nice story. I want to believe in it too. Um, And maybe I have biases that give me pause to doubt that story a little bit. Um, Maybe my experiences just don't back it up, but we're going to examine it today. We're going to have a look and see how that story stacks up, how it affects us in the mind and how it affects the way we behave. Because here's the thing. I I know a lot of very talented people. In fact, uh, I think if you dig deep enough with anybody that you meet, you'll find uh, that while people are very easy to dismiss, it's very easy to say, oh, that guy's an idiot. I'm not going to talk to him. But dig a bit deeper and you will discover something that impresses you about pretty much everyone that you meet, I think. Everybody has their own talent and it may not be in line with what you value in the current moment and it may not be in line with what society values but everybody has their own unique skill and perspective to offer but when when you look around you don't see a lot of people being allowed to use that skill or talent or perspective to earn their living so we have this society that we've built and it's based around specialization. Everyone does one job really, really well, and it's extremely efficient. Uh, it's, it's got us to where we are. It's, it's created advancements that probably wouldn't have been possible without it, but it's also created a lot of fucking miserable people. And how does society convince us to do this kind of mind-numbing, boring work? For the betterment of society, that we essentially are willing to make a sacrifice for the betterment of all. And it goes back to that story at the start, the fact that we have this opportunity and the fact that, yes, there are people above us. There's always someone richer. There's always someone more successful. And there's always someone who seems happier, even more and more so in this social media world. It seems like everybody's happier than everybody else these days because they're all putting on a front. But you have the opportunity to climb higher. You have the opportunity to change the pecking order of society. That's why we work. Or- that's why most of us work, I assume, or is it? I, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure why I work. To be honest, I uh, you know, I guess I just work. It's more out of necessity than any hope of advancement or improving my life. I'm actually quite happy with my life. I'm quite content. I'm not really trying to improve anything in particular. I'm just trying to pay the bills and cover the lifestyle that I have. I don't even tend to chase carrots when they're offered. I, I don't work for potential. I just work for cash, for certainty. You know, I've invested years in potential and none of it's ever really materialized. And I guess that's what I was talking about previously when I said, uh, maybe I've got some biases. I've had some pretty bad experiences in my life as far as chasing opportunity goes. And to be honest, I've just got to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'll just do the minimum that I need to, to pay the bills and that's all. I'm still driven to do a good job. There's something in me that gets satisfaction from that, even though I have no real hope that I'll be financially rewarded. And is it the stories they're telling me? Is it something else? Is it to do with the, you know, dopamine serotonin reward system in my brain? Maybe, maybe, maybe that gets me that cool hit of serotonin that makes me feel happy. I don't know. I, you know, don't have any answers as usual. Of course I don't have any answers. I'm asking questions here, man. I didn't say I'd give you the answers, but if you do search for the answers on the internet, you might find an answer like this. This is the story of your enslavement,
2: how it came to be and how you can finally be free. Like all animals, human beings want to dominate and exploit the resources around them. At first, we mostly hunted and fished and ate off the land, but then something magical and terrible happened to our minds. We became, alone among the animals, afraid of death and of future loss. And this was the start of a great tragedy, and an even greater possibility. You see, when we become afraid of death, of injury and imprisonment, we become controllable and so valuable in a way that no other resource could ever be. You cannot get more eggs by threatening a hen, but you can get a man to give you his eggs by threatening him. this human farming has been the most profitable and destructive occupation throughout history and it is now reaching its destructive climax human society cannot be rationally understood until it is seen for what it is a series of farms where human farmers own human livestock
1: a quick excerpt there from uh stefan Molyneux's video the story of your enslavement and it's a pretty cheerful one isn't it uh pretty inspirational stuff in fact maybe it would benefit from a bit of extra music
2: this is the story of your enslavement like all animals human beings want to dominate and exploit the resources around them but then something magical and terrible happened to our minds. We became, alone among the animals, afraid of death and of future loss. Human society cannot be rationally understood until it is seen for what it is. A series of farms where human
1: farmers own human livestock. Uh, cool. So has anyone got any rope? Uh, you can have it back after four minutes, I believe. All right. So that's a pretty depressing view of uh, employment, of all of society, um, that we are human cattle being human farmed. And, uh, you know, just to make sure you don't get uh, too depressed, Uh, let's lighten things up a bit. Uh, you know, I think we, you know, we need a comedian. We need a bit of a laugh. Uh, I don't know. Um, one of the, one of the all time greats, George Carlin.
3: But there's a reason, there's a reason, there's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. Oh, for fuck's
1: sake, that's not going to cheer anyone up, George Carlin. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I just nearly choked to death. So, you know, near-death experience makes me appreciate life again. (sighs) Until I remember what George Carlin said. But is there some hope in, in this whole thing? Is there, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow actually a rainbow is kind of always positive like it's nice colors and then and then the pot of gold is really just a bonus bad metaphor there um but surely there's a ray of hope somewhere in all of this it can't all be doom and gloom um and you know we'll get to that but i just want to cover sort of how pervasive this idea of human slavery really is
0: we don't have to have fast food workers we don't, we don't have to have people who work shit jobs. We don't have to. We just need to figure out how to restructure society so everybody somehow or another plays a part, has something to contribute, has something to share. I mean, that's what a real society is supposed to be like. I've give you some coconuts, you give me some fish. You know, we make a deal, and you do it back and forth and left and right. And when there's nothing to contribute, then you start looking, the president needs to give us jobs. We need jobs. Oh, yeah. So instead of something to contribute, you just find something to do with your time and then it becomes about doing that more than it becomes about finding something to contribute. So society gets wrapped around becoming a part of a machine. Society, instead of becoming a bunch of individuals that are expressing themselves in unique ways and everybody sort of borrows and shares and, and, and it sells this and you sell that, and we all sort of figure out how we can contribute in a society, we got sidetracked and diverted into these boxes that they call companies and corporations, and we got stuck into these containers they call cubicles or offices, and we got forced into this system, so our time, instead of it being invested in making pottery, or, or fixing cars, or doing something where you have a passion, or you have some sort of a connection to, instead of that, you've sold your life to sit in a box and work for a machine, an uncaring machine that demands productivity get it together and this is your life now. No natural behavior. Everybody's wearing clothes they don't want to wear. Everybody's showing up and doing something they don't want to do. They have no connection to. That's the problem with our society. And then what's the reward for all this stuff? Go home, get a big TV. Go home, you're going to get a shiny belt buckle. You're going to get a nice purse. You're going to wear shoes that you couldn't afford last week. You're going to get that dream car. And every week we're chasing down this new object. And every week we're trying to fill this hole in this, 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 Sad shadow of a life that we've been left with after work That you work eight to whatever the hours a day plus commuting and then you are like this And that's your life. That's your real fucking life. All that other stuff is not your life anymore All that other stuff is work and most of us have committed to that I know you've been there before and I've been there before and We we understand that it's trapped because we got out of it
1: just to let you know, I didn't add the music there. That was uh, courtesy of uh, the YouTuber that made the video that um, that I got that clip from. Now, the clip itself really has nothing to do with the video that he made, which was on Elsa Gate, apparently, um, which is a whole different uh, pedophile-related weird thing on YouTube. Um, but I'll link the video anyway at the point where the Joe Rogan quote comes in because, uh, yeah, I have to link something and it was the only source I could find of that. The rest of the video is pretty nuts. So uh, if you watch it all, you know, uh, enjoy it. But (laughs) yeah, I don't necessarily endorse the information uh, surrounding the Joe Rogan quote. I did find the Joe Rogan quote really interesting though. And you know, it does express that same worldview essentially as Stefan Molyneux's video that we're all slaves and that we don't have freedom and choice and so on. So it's really quite the opposite of the original story we started the episode with about, uh, you know, the joys of freedom and, uh, and, and opportunity and working hard. Uh, it, it implies that uh, you can work as hard as you like, and you're still a slave. Uh, you can make any salary you like. Still a slave. Uh, it doesn't really matter what you do, unless you're the slave master You are the slave. And if that's the case, then who is this slave master? Who is the one pulling all the strings? Who's controlling us? Who's somehow put out these narratives that trick us into submitting to our own slavery and then believing that we're not slaves? Because as Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, I believe, is pronounced, famously said... None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. So has someone done this to us? Is there someone behind the scenes who's created this illusion to mask the fact that we're all just human cattle in human farms? Oh my God, this is alarming shit. I demand to know who the villain is. When the government borrows money from the Fed or when a
4: person borrows money from a bank, it almost always has to be paid back with accrued interest. In other words, almost every single dollar that exists must be eventually returned to a bank with interest paid as well. But if all money is borrowed from the central bank and is expanded by commercial banks through loans, only what would be referred to as the principal is being created in the money supply. So then, where is the money to cover all of the interest that is charged? Nowhere. It doesn't exist. The ramifications of this are staggering, for the amount of money owed back to the banks will always exceed the amount of money that is available in circulation. The fractional reserve policy perpetrated by the Federal Reserve, which has spread in practice to the great majority of banks in the world, is, in fact, a system of modern slavery. Think about it. Money is created out of debt. And what do people do when they are in debt? They submit to employment to pay it off. But if money can only be created out of loans, How can society ever be debt-free? It can't. And that's the point. And it is the fear of losing assets coupled with the struggle to keep up with the perpetual debt and inflation inherent in the system, compounded by the inescapable scarcity within the money supply itself, created by the interest that can never be repaid, that keeps the wage slave in line running on the hamster wheel with millions of others, in effect powering an empire that truly benefits only the elite at the top of the pyramid. For at the end of the day, who are you really working for? The banks. Money is created in a bank and invariably ends up in a bank. They are the true masters, along with the corporations and governments they support.
1: And there it is, folks. It's not your boss, it's not your boss's boss, it's not the owner of the company, it's not the crazy CEO, it's the system. And more specifically, the banking system that keeps us in a state of perpetual chase. And yes, some people can get ahead, but other people need to fall behind to enable that. And that's why you know when we look at wealth inequality, you'll always find that there are more people in poverty than out of it. And this constant transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich ensures that that gap will always widen. So that's the world we live in. Um, There's, you know, mathematics behind this. You can look into it. There really is an inescapable truth to the banking system being, you know, essentially a scam. And the next time you're talking to a nutty conspiracy theorist who's chanting, end the Fed, or, you know, uh, the banksters are evil and have taken over the world, at least now you'll understand the mechanisms to which they refer. The reality is there's some truth to that worldview. But we still haven't answered the question, who? Who do we blame for this? What kind of crazy psychopath put this system in place for their own benefit? What, who, who would even do such a thing?
5: We pick up the story, appropriately enough, under cover of darkness. It was the night of November 22, 1910, and a group of the richest and most powerful men in America were boarding a private rail car at an unassuming railroad station in Hoboken, New Jersey. The men had been told to arrive one by one after sunset to attract as little attention as possible. Indeed, secrecy was so important to their mission that the group did not use anything but their first names throughout the journey so as to keep their true identity secret even from their own servants and waitstaff. The movements of any one of them would have been reason enough to attract the attention of New York's voracious press, especially in an era where banking and monetary reform was seen as a key issue for the future of the nation. A meeting of all of them, now that would surely have been the story of the century. And it was their destination? The secluded Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia, home to the prestigious Jekyll Island Club whose members included the Morgans, Rockefellers, Warburgs, and Rothschilds. Their purpose? They were going to draft a reform of the nation's banking industry in complete secrecy.
1: When I was a kid entering my final years of high school, uh, the school gave me a book. And uh, in the book was a list of a couple of hundred jobs that uh, I was allowed to choose from in order to um, decide what direction I was going to take, what subjects I would take and what university I wanted to go to. And it occurred to me at the time, without all of this context that, uh, that I've put in the podcast today, that maybe there was another job that wasn't in the book that I could do. And that maybe, you know, that job would actually be better than the ones in the book. And it, uh, it, it bothered me that those jobs uh, weren't being presented to us as students. I never really thought about it much beyond that, um, except that it just seemed odd. Uh, same when I, uh, when I was an adult and I went out to get my first loan and I went to the bank and they said, you can have basically as much money as you want, as long as you give us reasons for why you want the money because we'll give you cashier's checks for the purchases that you want to make. And I said, why can't I just have cash and go and get the purchases? You know, surely it's the amount that determines the risk that you need to consider. But yet again, I never really thought about it beyond that. And again, in year 12, uh, the military came around trying to recruit students. And they said, if you join the army, you'll get free university and health cover, uh, and you'll be set for life. You'll have a job straight out of university um, that'll pay 25% more than the same job if you went into the private sector. And once again, it triggered my mind. And I said, why would the military be able to give away free education and higher salaries than the private sector? And there were a lot of things, a lot of things during my childhood, during my, my youth, my formative years, if you will, Uh, that things like that just didn't make sense. And then I watched Zeitgeist, and um, the clip that I played from Peter Joseph earlier is from Zeitgeist Addendum, which was the sequel to Zeitgeist. And suddenly all these things clicked for me. Um, As soon as I understood that key issue of the monetary system, how money's generated, and how there's never enough money to pay back the original debt that's created, all of the things that have been going around in my head that uh, that I'd always taken on board as, hmm, that's weird, that doesn't make sense. They started to make sense again, and I revisited all those issues. And I guess this is the making of a conspiracy theorist. And you know, to be honest, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, but I'm certainly open to conspiracy theory esque ideas. And that's why, because. If you, if you look at the conspiracy theory, quite often, it makes more sense than the real world. And that's a fucking weird thing to realize. But once you do, you suddenly start wondering, what else am I being lied to about? Or at least, what else have I been wrong about my entire life? What things have not made sense to me, but then I just never went back to examine them? And I suppose that's both the power and the danger of conspiracy theory, because... They're stories that connect dots for people who have events in their lives that don't make sense. And that's probably a topic for another podcast. It's certainly in my Trello board at the moment, so we will be covering that one day. Not today, though. Today, I promised you hope. I told you you're a slave, uh, you don't have freedom, uh, you're basically born in chains, and that I was going to give you some kind of hope at the end of this podcast. I said that, didn't I? Didn't I? Hey, eh? that's what I said. Uh, right. So here's the bad news. Uh, I don't really have any hope to offer at this point. Um, I always intended this podcast would be a two-part thing when I was planning it out. I knew uh, there was too much information to cover in one half-hour podcast, so um, you're going to have to wait until next week for the hope, and that's if I can come up with any hope at all, Uh, because when you end the cliffhanger like this, with a whole bunch of, you know, the big secret cabal plotting to hijack the banking system to enslave the entire world, you know, it's not Flash Gordon. We can't go back and revise the story to try and, um, you know, give him an easy escape. So, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there will be no hope, but that's, what's going to make you come back. Right. And every morning in between now and next week, uh, you know, when you get out of bed to go to work and you feel that reluctance and the struggle and your eyes are clouded and your brain is in a fog And you really just can't be bothered going and hitting the shower, putting on your fucking clothes, getting to the office, commuting in, and then sitting there doing your mind numbing job. Just remember, it's all for nothing. That's what I want you to take away from all this. So this discussion is going in a direction though, and it's not all bad. Uh, You know, in fact, I don't even think this part of it is as bad as it sounds. You know, there's a positive side to being a slave. It means that you don't have control, which means it's not your fault, which is why I think this worldview has traction, um, because there's some comfort in the idea that you can't be blamed for your own circumstances. So you know that I'm not uh, an advocate of a victim mentality, so you know this discussion is not going to stay down here in the, uh, in the gutter. Well, it's not really gutter. I'm not talking about tits or anything. Um, it's not gutter, but you know, I don't know, in the slums or whatever, I don't know what the expression should be, um, but we're not going to live down here forever and next week we can talk about more positive things. Uh, more positive aspects of of this, I guess, revolution of the way we've structured society, because this realisation only goes in one direction, um, and that is towards change. And I guess that is really where the hope comes in, because uh, we can't keep going like this, obviously. Um, And if you're not employed and all you do all week is sit in bed all day uh, listening to this podcast, Joe Rogan, uh, Russell Brand, and uh, like last podcast on the left or something, then uh, never fear. Because even if you do manage to find a job, chances are the robots will take it soon anyway. So more on that next week. Until then, try not to shoot yourself.